Can you hear me? Karen and I and our girls are very honored uh, for the opportunity to be with you today at the Hilltop. And uh, as John has already mentioned, John and Becky have been our dear friends since our college days. And we have shared our entire adult journey together. Uh, we were there for each other's first jobs, and for weddings, and for babies, and toddlers, and preschoolers, and ministry. We've shared family vacations, and school years, and graduations, and college-age kids, and college graduations, and more weddings, and soon, grandkids. Holy cow, what a life we have shared uh, together. And I pray that each of you would come to have friends so loyal and dear as John, Kevin, and Becky Sue Lee. Uh, they, are, they are some of our dearest friends in the world. Uh, John and I got to be friends together in Pepperland's Choir and in Lando Lea Sigma Fraternity, and I wonder if you'll indulge me in just two quick stories. Woo! All right. So uh, every year we'd go on choir tour together, and that meant a lot of bus rides uh, and a lot of playing spades, and then we'd show up in the evening and we'd do our concert and then we'd go to the next town. Well, uh, John and I got this really good in-sync thing going from playing a lot of spades together. And so one night he was doing this trick at a table where we had a group around watching and, and John rubs his thumb on the table and he has a straw and eventually the straw follows his thumb. And he says it's electromagnetism and, it, 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 and actually John, what he would do is he would go, but he would do it so suddenly you couldn't catch it. And so this guy was watching and watching him and saying, hey Noah, you're, you're blowing on me. So John says, well, I'll do it the other way. And he shoots it and looks just for a split second at me across the table. We lock eyes for that long, and I know what to do. Now John pulls his thumb toward him, and everyone's watching him and watching his lips, and I get just a slight And that thing, that, that straw moves, and the table just falls over. Everyone just couldn't believe. And that was a great moment in our, in our life together, pulling his trick on, on the rest of the table. Now, uh, another one's a little more serious. Um, the gal I dated before my wife uh, broke up with me. And I was very devastated, and I was very disappointed. And my friend John started showing up at my apartment every evening. Hey, bud, what you doing? Let's go, let's go to Jack's. And we'd go down to Jack's, and we'd order a chicken supreme, and we'd talk about the two G's, God and girls. Not necessarily in that order. Um, but every, every night for about three weeks, John showed up. And my guess is that a lot of you have known John's ministry, and he has showed up for you during one of your tough times. And John has been that friend for me for 35 years. And so I hope you know what a gift you have in John and Becky and their family. They are, they are good, dear people, and I'm grateful to be a friend. All right, well, since I'm here today, I might as well preach. Um, so we, we, John invited us to come to talk about a little bit about parenting, to talk about blessing. Uh, we said absolutely, we, we would love to. Uh, decades ago, Carrie and I were introduced to Carrie Smalley and John Prince's book, The Blessing. And we became big believers in, in, in the practices such as meaningful touch and spoken words and attaching high value that we're going to think about today. Picturing a special future, having an active commitment to your kids' lives. Sharing a blessing with our girls was a conscious choice for Carrie and me in raising our daughters. Every night after we read books and after we brushed teeth, we would all pile onto one, someone's bed and everyone would, would, would be touching someone else and we would, we would begin gently. 
Jessica Michaela, and we would share the words from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you, Jenna, Jessica, and Michaela. We love you. And then we would sing, Jesus, let us come to know you. And we would sing, we love you with the love of the Lord. And we did this every night of their life. Uh, we, we, we slacked off a little bit in high school, I would say, because sometimes they would tuck us in when we were going to bed, and then they would stay up and work on their assignments, or at least they would tuck me in. Uh, but that was a part of their life, and we intentionally chose to do this every night to remind them of how dear they were to us, how important they were to God, and how we prayed for them that, that, that they would get to know Jesus and love him with all their heart. So John's already mentioned, we've already had uh, week one uh, in the power of a parent's blessing. John talked about meaningful touch, and last week uh, Marty talked about spoken words. And so today I want to think with you for just a few minutes about attaching high value. And I want to start with, with this biblical word for blessing. The, the Hebrew word barak is the word that's translated to bless, to praise, to salute. But it, it, it literally means to kneel or to bend the knee. And so if you see one person bowing to another person, you're, you're witnessing a graphic illustration of someone showing great value or very high respect to someone else. Now, of course, we don't do this very much in the United States, right? We're an egalitarian democracy. We're not, you know, we don't have kings and queens, and so we're not really into bowing. But I would suggest if you look around, you will notice signals of people showing respect to one another. So for example, in the military, when someone salutes a superior officer, they are showing their respect uh, to that person. Or uh, when someone has given a great performance and the crowd rises to their feet and they give them a standing ovation, they are showing their respect and appreciation for that person. Or when you're, when you're coming maybe to a business meeting and you reach across and you shake someone's hand and you look them in the eye, that's a gesture of respect. And when you're getting ready to play a, a, a game of basketball and you give each other a fist bump, uh, a gesture uh, of respect. Or think about in, in soccer teams, when, when someone scores a goal, what does the rest of their team do? And they surround that person, they scoop them up, they pick them up, they, they hoist their arms, they, they, they do little games with each other, little, little hand signals uh, to each other, signs uh, of respect to one another. In the Bible, the most obvious form of blessing is what we are called to do with the Lord. So Psalm 103, verse one, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. If that sounds familiar to you, the whole song has been built, built off of it, right? Bless the Lord, O my soul, O my soul. It's a thousand reasons. And we sing that song, and we are blessing the Lord in that. But what about blessing someone else? Well, Lots of examples of that in, in Scripture. Of course, the one I mentioned a minute ago, Numbers, uh, Numbers chapter 6, uh, where, where the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, and thus you shall bless the Israelites. And then he gives them that famous blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord makes his face to shine upon you, and so on. In Genesis 27, there's a complicated story uh, about two brothers vying for a blessing, and eventually the story ends where Isaac gives the blessing to his son Jacob. In Genesis 49, Jacob gathers his sons on his deathbed, and he gives blessings to them. 
In Deuteronomy 33, Moses gives a blessing over the people of Israel before his death. In Joshua, Joshua, at the, at the end of his life, blesses his friend Caleb, a fellow spy who brought back the good report on the, on the promised land. In 2 Samuel 6, King David offers a blessing over the people of Jerusalem and over the, the province of Judah. We see this in the New Testament, too. Think about uh, in, in the story of Jesus in Matthew 3. Jesus goes to John the Baptist, and, and he asks him to baptize him. And so as the baptism takes place, the heavens are open, and Jesus sees the Spirit of God coming down as if, as if a dove. And then God speaks these words of blessing. This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And in another story that's like that one in the transfiguration of Jesus, again, the heavens open, and God says, This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to Him. So we're thinking about this practice of blessing, of giving respect to, of attaching high value to the people in our family. Not only our kids, I would also suggest we can bless our spouses, our mates. So today we want to think about how do you attach high value? How do you communicate how much you value this person? And one way we can do that, and we see it being done in scripture, is through word pictures. Word pictures use familiar, everyday objects to convey value. Word pictures capture an emotional feeling beyond the literal meaning of the words that are spoken of. For example, when I was growing up, there was a man at church who would always come up to me and say, How you doing, Tiger? And I always stood up a little taller when he called me Tiger. I was like, Tiger, yeah, I'm a tiger. There was something I was on literally. A tiger, but there was an emotional, there was an emotional communication that he was making with me. I see you. You're a boy and you're full of energy, and, and I like that about you. And I, I took that as a good communication to him. And I think I see something similar in, in Jacob's blessing of his son Judah in Genesis 49, where he says to his son, Judah is a lion's wealth. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He crouches down, he stretches out like a lion, like a lioness. Who cares? Rouse him. Who wouldn't want to hear he's like sitting up with rage in Psalm 128 the psalmist gives a blessing to, to pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem for one of the great festivals he, he writes the Lord bless you from Zion may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life may you see your children's children hey John how do you like that blessing to get to see your own grandkids. This is attaching high value, not only by wishing that you would have a long life, but also a fruitful life. And you see your children's children. In the New Testament letter of Romans, the Apostle Paul shares greetings to friends of his who have moved across the vast Roman Empire into the capital city of Rome. And in these greetings, he hides little words of blessing that attach high value. Listen to just a couple of these, Romans 16, 3 and following. Paul writes, say hello to Priscilla and Aquila who have worked hand in hand with me in serving Jesus. They once risked their necks for me. How's that for high value? I don't think he's speaking metaphorically. I think he's speaking literally. They risked their necks for me. He says, say hello to my friend, my dear friend, Epimetheus. 
He was the very first follower of Jesus in the province of Asia. Hi, Dad. Say hello to my cousins, Andronicus and Junia. We once shared a jail cell. They were believers in Christ before I was. Both of them are outstanding leaders. You see what Paul is doing again and again, attaching high value to these co-workers in the Lord. So in giving words of blessing, you attach high value by using word pictures, attaching everyday objects to emotional meaning. My friend, when he was a boy, had one of those push mowers, you know those old push mowers, and he got out when he was eight, and he was making his first attempt on a, on a tall lawn, going back and forth using that push mower. And for the first time in his life, he developed blisters, and he didn't know what they were. And then they started to hurt him, and so he went inside and said, Mom, Mom, what do I do? What, what, what are these things? And, and his mom very wisely took the opportunity to give blessing to her son by saying, Oh, son, those mean that you're becoming a man. And what a great thing to say. What a great blessing. What a great affirmation. Because your boy's learning to work, and he's learned that work sometimes is uncomfortable and sometimes can hurt. And yet, you are becoming a man, my son. Well, I'd like to tell you why sharing the blessing is so important for me. And why Kara and I, very, very early on in our parenting, decided that we wanted to, to build in rituals into our family life that would, that would convey blessing and high value to each of our daughters. It was in May of 1994, I was preaching that story from Genesis 27 about Jacob stealing the blessing from his older brother, Esau. And I reached the part of the story when, when Esau comes back and he's asking for his father's blessing. And his father tells him, I, I've already given the, you know, the blessing of a firstborn to, to your brother Jacob. And, and Esau pleads with his father. He says, have you only one blessing, father? Bless me. Me also, father. And as I spoke these words, Esau's words to his father, Isaac, my voice cracked and my heart cracked. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was hanging on a very slender branch over this, this huge cliff below me. All of a sudden, it was no longer Esau speaking, but it was me. It was vulnerable Andy pleading with my dad and asking my dad, haven't you reserved the blessing for me? Bless me too. Father, I realized that I too was a man longing for his father's blessing, pleading for it from the bottom of my heart. Some of you may know my dad, who is a good and honorable man. He was both a strict and loving father to me, and I know I received from him far more than some of you probably did from your own earthly fathers. My dad loved mom faithfully. He didn't abuse alcohol. He didn't abuse us. But as a teenage boy, I wasn't always sure where I stood with dad. I'd bring home a solid report card, five A's and a B, and of course, he would challenge me to fix the B. I played three years of football, two years of track, two years of tennis, one year of basketball. I was always and forever scanning the stadium, wondering, is dad here, is dad here? But he usually wasn't. I didn't 
realize it then. I was yearning to hear the words from my dad. Son, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of who you've become. I'm interested in you and who you are. I was yearning for my father to attach high value to me. So I guess it's fair to say that, that I was a very sensitive son who grew up with an old school dad. And combine those two things together and you get a young man who follows his father into his professional footsteps as a preacher, but who is still very unsure of himself and who is desperately yearning to hear words of affirmation and confirmation from his dad. The year after I preached that story on Jacob and Esau, my dad had triple bypass surgery. And I realized there was a conversation I really wanted to have with my dad during the living years as Mike and the Mechanics wrote a song to describe. And so I prepared a three-page letter for my dad that I shared with him that year. The first page was all the things I loved about dad, all the things he did right. It was a solid list. And in the next couple of pages, I shared with my dad about my experience during the Esau sermon about my gnawing doubts about his approval of me, my lingering fears about his disappointment in me. I probed why I still didn't feel his blessing, his approval. I asked if he was proud of me, of what I'd become. Dad listened thoughtfully. And then he responded. He affirmed that indeed he was proud of me, of who I was. He apologized in his own way for the pain that he had accidentally caused me, and he assured me it was not intentional. He reminded me, after all, that I had turned out pretty well. <laughs> and then he did something for me that I'll never forget. He described his relationship with his dad. Papa Wall, my grandpa, was 47 when my dad was born as the 10th of 11 kids, dirt poor, in Dust Bowl days in New Mexico. By the time my dad was a teenager, Papa was well into his 60s and had lost all interest in what was going on in the life of his sixth son. My dad never heard I love you or I'm proud of you from his dad. And suddenly, it hit me. My dad was Esau too, crying out to his dad, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Bless me, me too, my father. And in that moment, I realized that dad hadn't confirmed that sense of blessing to me because he had never gotten it himself. To his credit, he had done the best that he could. And he had given me a whole lot more than he had ever gotten from his dad. A wise friend later told me that if our parents never received the blessing from their parents, it may be up to us as their kids to speak words of blessing to them, words attaching high value for whatever it was they did that was right and good in our own lives. Sometime later, I went back to my hometown of Fillmore and I was gonna do a little, a little talk I think it was on a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. And when Dad introduced me, 
He gave words attaching high value that I will never forget. Dad said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. How's that? For words of blessing, attaching high value from a father to a son. So parents, spouses, grandparents, aunts, uncles, siblings, speak words of blessing and encouragement and high value to those around you and your family. Tell them, good job, terrific, I'm proud of you. I knew you could do it. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> high five, fist bump, give me a hug, come on, bring it in, bring it in. That nightly blessing that we shared with our girls, I pray someday when they're a thousand miles from home, they'll hear those words from number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And they'll remember, I am deeply loved. I am passionately cherished. I am highly valued. Some of you never received the blessing from your parents, and now you're raising kids of your own, and you have a decision to make. Am I going to break the cycle of unblessing, and am I going to begin a new cycle of blessing with my kids? That's what Carrie's dad had to do. She shared that story in class. He never heard the words, I love you, or I'm proud of you from his dad. But he practiced when Carrie was a baby in the crib. And it was so hard for him even to say those words to a baby. But he, he practiced and practiced until they got more natural. Carrie, I love you. Carrie, I love you. And he became a cycle breaker in his family. And we have all benefited from that for generations. Well, you may say, well, well what if my kids are already grown up? Am I too late? What do you think? Your kids always want to know if you're proud of them, if you love them, if you value them. If you haven't shared the blessing with your adult kids, there is still time. I was in my early 30s when my dad and I had this conversation that I'm describing to you. And that conversation and the words that follow mean the world to me. But what if I don't have kids, Andy? Well, let me ask you this. Do you have any idea how many people are living their lives without any sense of blessing from their families? Do you know how many adults are starved for validation from someone who's maybe just a little bit older, someone just a little bit further down the road of life? You can be the person to share the blessing with them. If you would appreciate the prayers of this church today as you make a fresh commitment to sharing the blessing, to attaching high value, John is going to come up here. He's going to be available to pray with you. Or if you're ready to give your life to Jesus as Lord, to say yes to the blessings of Jesus' grace and mercy in your life, to be buried with Christ in baptism, 
be raised to walk in newness of life, John will also be here to receive you. God bless you. And may you be a person who shares the blessing of God with those who God has put in your life.